Come be a part of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board with Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right now. Once again, that's the sound of rock cracking. You got Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right here on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. Glad to have each and every one of you. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Holliday, and it's still hot in Mississippi. I think it's hot in America all over, everywhere. We're in the middle of July. And you know what? It's hot in politics, too. Uh, The Democrats are taking a beating on inflation, and rightly so. And we're going to talk about politics today. It's fascinating what the undercurrents are shaping up to be in the midterm elections. What what I mean by that? What I mean by the undercurrents? Well, some things are happening in the Democratic Party and in the Republican Party. And some things that you may not have heard about. So uh, hang on and we're going to get to that in today's show. Also, before we jump into that, we mentioned last week about Hunter Biden and the connections to China. And and then we have Joe Biden uh, with our strategic oil petroleum reserves, uh, a million gallons a day being uh, put out to try to ease the gas prices. And what happens? Uh, we've sent nearly a million gallons uh, to Unipec of America, Incorporated. And that's the trading arm of the China Pet- Petrochemical Corporation. Is better known as uh, Sinopec. And that's where former Vice President Biden's son, Hunter, his private equity firm, BHR Partners, bought a $1.7 billion stake seven years ago. Now, they they say that Hunter has no longer uh, is a part of uh, that uh, BHR Partners. But Hunter Biden had taken a 10% BHR stake in 2017 through Scandalous, an LLC he solely owned. It's only his. Now, maybe they said maybe he has sold that. But you know, an interesting press corps, if it had been Hunter Trump who had bought this, don't you know there'd been a lot of digging to see what's real and what's not? But can you believe that? Our president taking strategic petroleum reserves, and it's going to be running down to the lowest it's been since 1986. What happens if we do have a national emergency? And then some of this has gone to China. China, who may be invading Taiwan. Hope not, but it could happen. And we are giving them oil, petroleum, from the America Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Can it get any worse? Can it get any worse than that? Wake up, America. This is what's going on. This, this is the president in the White House who's doing these things 
that are not helping the American people, not helping you put gas in your car, but we're actually helping the Chinese get gas in their cars. And we are undermining our ability to uh, have some oil in case there is a real national emergency. And nobody seems to be talking about that. But you heard it right here on Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. Now, I told you about some fascinating undercurrents that are shaping up in these midterm elections. Let me just tell you some of the things you may have already heard. Now, you may have heard some of these things, but some of them I'm sure uh, you haven't. But first off, let's look. There's an article about uh, from uh, Sean Trendy and uh, Real Clear Politics, and, and they are having some great, because of all the things going in politics, it's a great website to go to, Real realclearpolitics.com. But he was talking about uh, different people looking at, you know, the Democrats seem this is not a Republican year when it comes to the United States Senate. But he wrote, the irresistible force versus the immovable object. Uh, he said, had the Republican Party fielded its A-team in states like Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Arizona, we probably would not be talking about Democrats Democrats even have a shot at retaining the Senate. Now, what do you mean by that? We went in and t talked about, the, uh, number one, that the, the Republican bench thought they could get better candidates in those states. But he went on to point out, uh, let me just read this so you can understand. He said, but let's also be honest about the daunting nature of the task facing Democrats. Both Pennsylvania and Wisconsin have been on average two points more Republican than the country as a whole in presidential elections. As elections analyst Harry Enton has pointed out, since 1982, you know, that's 40 years ago, the president's party has defeated one the president's party ha has defeated one incumbent senator in 87 attempts in such races. And and that happened to be when a Senate GOP senator a Faircloth lost in 1998. He said, but in that election, President Clinton's disapproval was roughly where President Biden's approval sits today. Maybe Johnson is a special case, but that's talking about Johnson in Wisconsin. But there's always a chance he loses. But, you know, he said, we have to look at there's a strong bias against this ha happening. And that's, of course, uh, uh, Senator Johnson in Wisconsin. The Democrats think they can knock him off, but this is not a year that looks like that could happen. And he went on and talked about the different, you know, just a handful of times that uh, something goes against the grain in these midterm elections when it looks like the Republicans are in control here. And he said, look at uh, Georgia and Arizona. You got former Heisman Trophy winner Herschel Walker. He says he is a weak candidate with a penchant for outlandish comments. And maybe Herschel will strengthen up as a candidate and, and know what he says. And then, but he said that Senator Warnock, who won in Georgia, you know, is a charismatic incumbent, but this is still the seat that Warnock barely won against another weak candidate in a low turnout 2020 runoff. And he said he's going to have to convince a large number of voters who disapprove of the president to vote for him. And he said in Arizona, it's, he said that's another underpolled race with a late primary. And we don't know who the primary candidate, and we're going to get more on that in just a minute. Uh, but 
whoever comes out to be the GOP, GOP Senate nominee in Arizona, he said, you know, it, it, that uh, the possibility that, um, uh, uh, you know, with Arizona not electing a GOP senator in 2022 is uh, it's it's going to be unlikely because he said all the Arizona Senate GOP Senate candidate has to do is convince about 80 percent of Arizona voters who disapprove of President Biden to vote for him. He just has to convince 80 percent of the Arizona voters who already disapprove of President Biden to vote for him and, and the GOP nominee will be elected senator in Arizona. So he's just saying it's an uphill battle for Democrats now, and and people are still thinking the Democrats will hold the Senate. But he said there's just too many, uh, too too many things happening in, in this midterm election that that Biden and the Democrats are just leaking everywhere, just leaking everywhere, and and uh, the GOP looks like they'll take the Senate. Now that was his. Uh, uh, that's his observation, and I will say I th- I think there's a lot of that that uh, I agree with, and uh, uh, the thing I don't want to do is for anybody to th- get complacent, because it will be a hard fought fight for the GOP to take the Senate. Now he he mentioned those places where we know there's a uh, there's no incumbent in Pennsylvania, and uh, that's where. Uh, Dr. Oz has won the GOP nomination, and a Democratic uh, candidate uh, has uh, had a stroke, and and they said he'd be right back up and campaigning. He's but he hasn't started yet. So there's a lot of things to look at. And I told you, uh, you know, there's some uh, places. If the Biden White House keeps making stupid decisions like selling our our national or strategic petroleum reserves to china then you know you're gonna have seats that could become uh very much in play like in uh in washington state the state of washington the senate uh seats up for uh could be up for grabs with with, uh, a lot of disappointed people in the state of washington now seattle and the city just holds so much electorate that elect uh, the voters that everybody thinks, well, whatever Seattle does, the big city does, then so goes the whole state. But it's not necessarily so, especially in a swing election. And another factor in all of this is uh, you have to look at what is going on in the Hispanic population. Across the United States, a political shift is rocking the two major political parties and promising to play a pivotal role in this year's midterm elections. The shift is among Latino voters. We're going to show you a WSJ analysis of where this shift happened in 2020. And zoom in on three key areas to watch as the midterms approach in 2022. Ready? I think I'm ready. So, Aaron, you're a WSJ editor focused on polling and political data. Tell us big picture first. Why are shifts in this demographic so significant? This shift among Latino voters is one of the most important things that's happened recently in American politics, and everyone's watching to see if it's durable. Latino voters are one of the biggest and fastest growing parts of the electorate, and they swung a lot away from the Democratic Party and toward the Republican Party in 2020. 
To better understand political shifts across America, WSJ created this map that brought together electoral, demographic, and economic data at the neighborhood level. By doing this, we found something striking. In the last presidential election, 3,730 predominantly Latino census tracts shifted to the right, compared to just 352 that shifted left. Census tracts are boundaries set by the U.S. Census Bureau that average about 4,000 residents per tract. So Aaron, what do these shifts tell you? Well, they tell us that something is changing in the electorate. The shift was pervasive, but it wasn't uniform. It happened to different extents in different places, but it happened among all kinds of Latino voters. Okay, so let's zoom into some of these key communities. First, we'll go to Texas, to these neighborhoods along the southern border. So what are we seeing here? What we're seeing is a map of the vote, not county by county, but neighborhood by neighborhood. Technically, these are census tracts. And in 2016, these shades of blue indicate that the vote was pretty firmly democratic in most neighborhoods. That's that rich, dark blue that you see. All right, so then in 2020, you can see those shades of blue got lighter. That's right. That signals that the Democratic candidate, Joe Biden, still won those neighborhoods, but he got a smaller share of the vote than Democrats got in 2016. All right, so if you take a look at the shift, here's what that looks like. Almost all of these neighborhoods shifted right, correct? That's right. This whole region is now dark red on the map, showing that there was a big shift, about 20 points or more in many places, toward Donald Trump. What do we know about the shift? What motivated it? We're still studying it. A lot of people are studying it. But it looks like the most important thing that happened is that the issue mix changed. In 2016, there was a lot of talk about immigration. But in 2020, it was all about the economy and COVID. And when COVID struck, it hit the Rio Grande Valley very hard. But voters hold the kind of jobs that you can't do from home. And so when businesses were shut down, they lost work and they favored the Republican point of view on keeping businesses open during COVID rather than the Democratic impulse to shut things down in order to protect public. Now that was uh, a report from the Wall Street Journal and uh, video division, but it was very fascinating to see how they were using the shifts from 2016 presidential election to the 2020 presidential election and making comparisons to what we have in 2022. And uh, if you want to go watch that video, you can, and uh, I'll put a link to it on our uh, page here. But you got to understand what's so important is, will this stay? When you heard he used the term Latinos durable, uh, is this a durable shift? And it's very important for places like the state of Florida. You remember, it was just, uh, well, four years ago, basically, in 2018, that uh, Ron DeSantis barely won the governorship of Florida. He, he beat out a, uh, a mayor from the uh, Gainesville, Florida, the, the liberal mayor who later got caught and busted with a uh, uh, drug bust, but he, he almost won it, and he was socialist in Florida. But what we saw with President Trump winning in 2020 was a lot of what you just heard, that the Republicans are given higher marks in the, in the Latino community for business. And, you know, we see this over and over when Hispanic small business owners, uh, when, when they're being robbed in their stores, when things are being stolen and, and people 
don't even get caught. You don't call the police for shoplifters. You just tell them get all they want. Uh, in some cities, people are frustrated, and people vote. These voters, these business leaders in their small communities, they're saying enough is enough. So what we, when I've mentioned before, these midterm elections of 2022, they could be transformational elections. That's why I wanted to play that clip, and I got more to talk to you about that. But first, let me remind everybody, you're listening to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right here on webtalkradio.net. And we're glad to have each and every one of you here. Tell your friends and neighbors that we always seem to have more listeners during an election year. This is July. Soon will be August. In September, October, bang, we got the midterm elections. What's going to happen? Well, keep listening to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics because we'll bring you some news and, and, and uh, information that you just may not get anywhere else. And just like we're talking about today. There's some fascinating undercurrents. They're shaping a midterm election. Just talk, got through talking about the Latino vote. And we're going to talk about what's going on in the GOP concerning Donald Trump and, and his influence. Uh, just as soon as uh, we get kicking off for the second half of the show. But I also want to remind you, we got a book called Bedrock Truths. You can get that book by going to www docholiday.org holiday's got two l's in it we'd love to get that book out with you got other books there and we'll soon be changing up that uh page some and and as i said got a book of fiction coming out this fall sometime probably around election but it won't have anything to do with elections so i'll i'll keep you up to date on that now let's get back to show what we're talking about if the the is this a transformational election? What do we mean by that? Well, the you can have a swing election and you can have a, a red wave or a blue wave, but a transformational election is when something happens that voters turn and they get grouped into a party like a magnet and they don't leave. And much like the African-American vote has got... Uh, has, turned into a magnet to the Democratic Party where over 90%, sometimes 95% of Barack Obama would vote for the Democratic Party. Now, Donald Trump got the highest amount of black votes since Dwight D. Eisenhower. That's why some people still don't believe the numbers of the election of 2020. But will, will we see more and more African Americans go to the Republican Party in the midterm what will we see? What we just heard about is the Latino vote is, has switched from 2016 presidential election to 2020 presidential election. We've just seen a Democratic uh, special election in, in South Texas, the border of Texas, right up against Mexico in the, in the far uh, southeast corner there of Texas, just went to a Latino GOP uh, candidate. And she has been outstanding in her presentations. And will more and more, well, you just heard him talk about the importance of Texas with the Latino vote. And, and uh, after we played that clip, the, the clip went on and talked about what the Latino vote is doing affecting in, in big cities. And that's what I was talking about. People are tired of crime. People are t tired about the, the woke 
community, the woke prosecutors who let people back on the streets, and the same people are coming in and shoplifting and robbing this, these uh, small businesses time after time. And you, you think they're frustrated? You better believe they're frustrated. They're stealing their income. They're stealing their future. They're stealing their children's future. And they're trying to run a business, and there's no law and order to protect them in these big, liberal, woke cities. And they've had enough. And I think the Latino vote, and there's going to be probably other uh, minorities coming in saying we're sick and tired of the woke culture. And it's, it's not only, uh, you know, disturbing in some places, it's actually killing our citizens, our business people. Just, you know, children can't even go to school without somebody getting shot. And they're having to go through needles and mountains of homeless people. And, and so what happens? People get fed up, and you think California can never turn red again? There's some people fed up in California. I don't believe it could happen in 2022, but let's see how this shifting is going. It's not just Latinos, but it's that if enough Latinos shift into the Republican Party and actually say, we're going to go to the party meetings, we're going to be Republicans, then all of a sudden it becomes more than just a red wave it becomes a transformational election, and the midterms in 2022 are shaping up where that is something that could happen. It's something that could really happen that the Latinos say we are Republicans because the Democrats have gone crazy. And, and, and it could be all kind of things, and it's not usually just one or two things, but when it comes to business, like we just heard, Latinos are saying the Democrats... Uh, they've they're giving up on the Democrats and for good reason and you can go back and listen to our shows and know the reasons but let's get into this what's going on that's fascinating in the undercurrents about the GOP primary well this is what is happening in underlying or the undercurrents of what's going on in the GOP and uh, well we there's an article by uh, Steve Cortez who's a big Trump supporter and, and part of the administration and he was mentioning, despite the best efforts of the mainstream media, and which we know what's going on the J6 committee, and they're cheerleading for the J6 committee and talking about how everybody's watching, get your popcorn, let's watch it. But the thing is, the truth is, very few people are watching it. And I told you that J6 committee, if it's really an American committee, if it's really an American investigation, then you have the ability to cross-examination. There's none of that there. It's a taxpayer-funded Democratic Party propaganda ad message. And until they have cross-examination, that's all it is. But listen, the uh, but Steve Cortez was talking about all this stuff trying to get rid of uh, Donald Trump. and But they said, look at one thing. President Donald Trump's primary endorsement record in 22 is stronger than ever before. We know in the past, Trump has picked some people in the primary, and most presidents stay out of Republican primaries, but not Donald Trump, not, not in some of them. And so what has happened uh, in this election season so far? He says, President Trump's record is still much stronger than any other political figure in America today. Now, it's hard to believe when you think about all the Democrats and Democrat areas. But he said with a 94% win rate among his endorsements in the primary contest, 
That makes it with over 140 successful primary endorsements in this year alone, 2022, in the primaries. And that, uh, that is the underlying undercurrent that nobody's talking about. And it is fascinating. And why is that? Why is that? Well, an example that Steve Cortez said, for example, in North Carolina, Congressman Ted Budd was down by double digits against former Governor Pat McCrory. Now, why why would he be? Well, a congressman has one district, and he's well known in that district, but the entire state, they didn't know him. And Governor Pat McCrory had been governor. He's been Everybody in the state had voted for him before, and they knew who he was. But Donald Trump came in, and with his endorsement, Bud turned the race completely around and won the primary very decisively. Same thing with uh, uh, the author and venture capitalist J.D. Vance. Jumped in the Ohio race, never had been in politics before. And it was a crowded field with some noted politicians who knew how to campaign, knew how to win elections. But once Trump got behind him and, you know, Vance soared in the first place, and he won the nomination in a landslide. Same thing with Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, real tough Republican uh, uh, GOP primary. But he came out ahead, and again, not by a lot, but he came out ahead, and he, Trump supported him. And, and it got him across the finish line. So what happens? What happens in these places? Because there's other candidates that, when I say what happens in these places, if they get in the Senate, what happens if they run in these other people who are Trump supporters, who are supported by Donald Trump in the Senate? Adam Laxalt from Nevada. He's there trying to knock off an incumbent and very well could in 2022. Herschel Walker, he's Donald Trump's friend. He supported Trump in the, last, in the past two election campaigns for president. And now President Trump said, you ought to run for Senate and Georgia and a lot of people and said no no he doesn't know about politics he won't be able to but Donald Trump told him to run he's running and he's the GOP nominee and again he'll owe his political uh, life to Donald Trump in a way Katie Britt in Alabama why did Trump come out and support her I don't know but he came out and supported her in a tight primary where people didn't know her name and she won now, get this, if Donald Trump's candidates are winning in the primary and they win in a, in a, a Republican red wave this November, the undercurrents will sweep upward. And guess what? The Senate will be in the hands of American first candidates who've won their election, U.S. senators, if they win in the general election, and who will they owe their allegiance to, Mitch McConnell or Donald J. Trump? What do you think? That's the fascinating undercurrents that are shaping up. And it's not just the U.S. Senate. It makes it more important in the U.S. Senate. But think about the U.S. House where Republicans, if they gain a majority, which everything looks like is a good, good chance that could happen, if, if Donald Trump endorsed you, and then who are you going to owe your allegiance to? Will it make an effect? Remember when, when President Trump won, and there, nobody thought he was going to win the race, he, 
He won the president's race in 2016, and so many in the GOP gagged, including uh, uh, Paul Ryan, uh, the, who was Speaker of the House, and he, he couldn't stand it. And so many of the Republicans, they did not work with Donald Trump. They worked against Donald Trump, which is very unusual. What would happen if there's a Congress, a Senate, and a House, both Republican, who wanted to work with a president, Donald J. Trump? Do you see what the undercurrents could shape up and do for 2022 and beyond? Well, that's the fascinating thing that Donald Trump, as all the firepower of the mainstream media, the J6 committee, Nancy Pelosi, uh, uh, Senator Schumer, and of course Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, they won't say his name. They always uh, belittle him. They always uh, disrespect him. And now what would happen? If these America first GOP candidates win in a general election in the House and the Senate, it's fascinating to know how hard they'd work for the uh, President Donald J. Trump in 2024. So that is something. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> That's something you're not hearing anywhere else, I don't think. But you heard it right here on Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. I'll leave you these thoughts. We heard earlier in the show with the clip about Latinos. Is it a durable shift to the GOP? Did they like Donald Trump's policies? That Did they make money under Donald Trump before COVID hit? And the answer is an outstanding yes in so many cases. Minorities made more money when Donald Trump was president and that's where we're reflecting on. And if the voters come out in 22 and they elect GOP majorities in the House and the Senate, it'll be thanks to Donald J. Trump. And if we see Latinos that will continue to say we want to support Republicans, it will be a transformational election, not just a red wave, but a transformational election that could have generational results. So that's what's at stake. Get out there. Get excited. Get involved in primaries if you haven't already. And make sure you get behind a candidate. If you live in a district where the Democrats outnumber you 90 to 10 or 85 to 15, do not give up. Miracles have happened before. They can happen. Get behind any GOP. I don't care if they call them rhinos somewhere else. If you're in a 90-10 district, like I said, I would take uh, a moderate GOP in the state of Vermont over another Bernie Sanders any day, anywhere. So wherever you are, don't give up. Keep working hard for America, for freedom, for liberty. Keep listening to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics and get involved wherever you are. And stand up for liberty. Stand up for freedom. Stand up for what we can be. Because not only can we make America great again, we can make America the best it's ever been. See you next week. 
Thanks for joining us today. And remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. You can order Ed's new book, Bedrock Truths, by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen or visit DocHolliday.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. We'll be right back.